Hi, it's Lynn Galadner, and welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a writer and entrepreneur, and through decades of writing articles for magazines and newspapers and authoring books, I've learned that we succeed through inspiration from storytelling and deep and mutually beneficial relationships. This show began in 2018 after my father was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I wanted a way to capture his stories and record his insights. It's grown since then to share stories of how people around the world make meaning from very ordinary pursuits. Now I focus on sharing the stories of writers, authors, and those in the world of publishing to learn how and why we create stories that help us make meaning from the mundane. I'm a former journalist and marketing entrepreneur, and I've been teaching writing for more than two decades. As a writing coach, I help authors build their brands and share their words. If you'd like to write with me, check out my offerings at lynngaladner.com. And you'll find more episodes of this podcast at makemeaning.org, as well as on every podcast platform you can think of. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to the Make Meaning Podcast. Now, on to the show. The Detroit Jewish Book Fair began in 1951 and is the longest-running Jewish book fair, offering programming around books of Jewish interest for more than 70 years. Today, I have a very special episode for you, featuring three people who are big in the Jewish book world. Lauren Johnson is a dear friend and book aficionado who is currently the Assistant Director of Cultural Arts responsible for implementing the Jewish Book Fair and Jewish Film Festival at the J of Metro Detroit. She's also a professional book club facilitator, and in her career, Lauren has served as research intern for the First Lady of the United States, Hillary Rodham Clinton, a program assistant for the National Conference for Community and Justice, a founding staff member and coordinator at the Detroit Jewish Coalition for Literacy, and a librarian. Also with me is Brenda Brooke, co-chair of the Detroit Jewish Book Fair. She's a retired synagogue administrator who spent 20 years as a manager in the computerized payroll industry. Brenda is a voracious reader and loves how the book fair puts all of her skills and passions to work. And then I speak with Naomi Firestone Teeter, Executive Director of the Jewish Book Council, which is a national organization that coordinates Jewish book fairs across America and also promotes books by Jewish authors and which feature Jewish stories. Naomi is the founding editor of the JBC website and the blog and managing editor of Jewish Book World. She sits on the board of Jewish Creativity International and has been named a 2019 36 under 36 by the New York Jewish Week. She was also named one of the top 100 people positively influencing Jewish life in 2018 by Algaminer and was listed on Izzy's 2020 Global Jewish 100 list of people around the world moving Jewish culture forward. Let's dive in and have a great conversation about Jewish books, Jewish book fairs, and how we write about culture and identity. Hi, Lauren and Brenda. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Hi, Lynn. Thank Hi, you. Lynn. Thanks. It's really great to have you guys here. I'm super excited for this episode. Um, we actually are making a special slot in this season so we can get it in during the book fair. So it's really cool to have you guys here. So let's just jump in. So I grew up eagerly going to the Jewish book fair. I was always super excited to see what books might pique my interest. So can you tell me, each of you, about your personal connection with the Detroit Jewish Book Fair and what inspired you to want to work with it? Well, I did not go as a young person. It wasn't a thing my family did, so mm -hmm. I wasn't even familiar with it. 
But some years ago, a friend of mine who was chair asked me if I could volunteer opening boxes of books and helping count and, and doing our inventory before and after the book fair. And I've always loved books and loved to read. And I got so excited that I, I helped for a number of years and then was invited to be on the committee. And nice. I've chaired the committee this year. I'm co-chair. Wonderful. But, um, I'm so glad I discovered this because it fills a huge part of my life. I love that. That's great. Thank you for all you're doing for it, Brenda. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Lauren, what about you? So growing up, since books were always important in our family, we visited the book fair each year. And then when I became a librarian and specifically a Jewish librarian at a congregation, I connected with the book fair on several levels, supporting the book fair, sponsoring an author during the book fair from the congregation, but also participating and being on the a consultant on the committee and working with the committee and the staff very closely. And so it's a, it's a pleasure to now be on the staff at the J. Uh, helping to facilitate and, and build the, the book fair each year. Awesome. That's great. So, you know, the Detroit Jewish Book Fair is the longest running Jewish book fair in the country, which is amazing. And, you know, when I was thinking about this and preparing to talk with you guys, I thought, you know, why Detroit? Like, why not a bigger city in this country? So why do you think Detroit is a leader in this landscape? Well, Detroit's always had a very large Jewish community. And as you may be aware, over the years, there have been surveys done and we've looked at how the community has grown and changed and developed and moved around the whole metro area. But we were fortunate from a very early part of Detroit developing and the Jewish community growing, that we've had some really innovative people here, I think, in a lot of ways in some of our congregations and how they've grown and blossomed and what they've supported and our Jewish institutions. So in terms of the Jewish Community Center over the years, the center has tried to be a center of Jewish learning and Jewish communal life and Jewish congregation gathering. And we were, we had the foresight of both an, a director, Erwin Shaw, and mm -hmm. some board members who thought, oh, this would be really cool to invite Jewish authors to the community to present their ideas, their books, and, you know, we'll call it a book fair and we'll, you know, bring people out to the center. And that center was in Detroit and that center has moved, you know, over, throughout the community over the years. We've been fortunate to continue that and it's grown just as Jewish publishing has grown and we are the people of the book. So we continue to present people you of the book. You just know that that's on my list of questions, right? <laughs> you know, like you can read my mind or maybe you just gave me all these prompts. I don't know. But, you know, so Jews have been called the people of the book. How do you understand this phrase and how does it relate to contemporary times? Well, I think we relate to it in different ways at different times and in, and in different settings. So we are the people of the book. The book could be the Bible. And so in a congregational religious setting, you know, we're looking at those texts and, and hopefully living our lives in a way that that's representative of what's meaningful to us as Jews. But also, we care about learning. So that has been something very significant in the Jewish community for millennia, that we care about learning, educating our children. That's central to who we are as Jews as well. So in terms of people of the book, it's also the books that we learn from. So even as early as Maimonides, the fact that he was writing 
things to share with others, um, not just his own personal writing. You know, maybe centuries before somebody would write and it was only for themselves because people weren't literate or it was, you know, more of um, documentation for themselves. But now we write, we share our stories. Stories are really central to who we are as a people. So wherever those stories are coming from, our personal experiences, our connection to Torah, our lives, what we want to teach our children, all of those stories now get put on paper, get shared electronically, all of those different ways. So we are the people of the book books. <laughs> yes. You yeah. know, it's interesting because um, when somebody's studying with a Torah partner and they want to study, you know, religious text, they say, I'm, I'm learning. It's, you know, this is, it's not, I'm going to study Torah or I'm, I'm going to, you know, read something with a friend. It's I'm learning with someone. And I just love that. It's like a a constant state of evolving and and growing and building knowledge. And I I just think that's, it's a wonderful tradition. I'm really proud to come from it. So um, that's really cool. I appreciate that explanation. So talk to me a little bit about some of the prominent authors that have come to Detroit for past book fairs or even some coming this year. So talk a little bit about that. Well, in the way past, some early book fairs, we've had Ellie Wiesel. In some recent years, we've had Norm Eisen. Mm-hmm. We've had Peter Max. We've had Jim Lehrer. I think I saw somewhere that uh, Chaim Potok was one who was a favorite of mine. Right. Early um, on, Chaim yeah. Potok, Potok okay. and Ellie Wiesel. Jennifer Weiner, Belva oh. Plain. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those fiction authors, Belva Plain, Jennifer Weiner, Daniel Silva, Pam Jenoff has been here many times. Yes. My dad loved Daniel Silva and I got into reading his books. My dad was a big fan of like big, huge hardcovers and that are just like, you can't carry them on a plane. They're just too big. And when my dad was was diagnosed with leukemia, I actually reached out to Daniel Silva and said, you know, could you sign your latest book for my dad? And he couldn't do the book. He said, just order the book, but I'll send you a book plate. What's your address? It was just so nice. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing how many authors are Jewish that you may not expect. You know, some you know, but some you may not, right? And so- we're thrilled each year to be able to invite and focus on Michigan authors as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm always shocked at how many authors are just right in our own backyard. So Michigan authors include like Lisa Rose and Karen Tintori Katz and Jan Greenberg, who writes as Jill Gregory and Donald Levin. So these are all authors that are right here in our very own backyard and that come out of our wonderful universities and and doctors too. We've got doctors and and professors who are just so prolific in their writing and write really interesting, wonderful books. And me, I'm excited to be there this year. So (laughs) that'll be wonderful. We're excited to have you. Oh, Absolutely. We get to plug Lynn Galadner, a woman of <laughs> valor, as featured book club, book fair author. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about what trends you're seeing in the Jewish book world today and how that might have evolved or changed over the years. Well, one thing I noticed this year is the volume of Holocaust or Holocaust adjacent writings. Hmm. And just, you know, we think we've heard it all about the Holocaust. And we're always so surprised at new stories that come out, some fiction and nonfiction. And we find that the fiction is based on real stories, but just 
a, a wealth of Holocaust books. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I had on the podcast Martha Ann Toll, who is an author in Washington, D.C., and she wrote a book called Three Muses, which is a hol- it's sort of a Holocaust adjacent. I guess it is a Holocaust novel, but it is totally a different way in to talking about it. And I was, like you said, Brenda, I was so surprised that I could be surprised about the way a Holocaust novel would unfold. It was just so interesting and and a lovely journey. It really was. And we're finding that now the children and grandchildren of survivors, or even those who perished, are now writing stories. Mm. It's that next generation or two. That's really amazing. So it will never go away. It will always be with us. Yes. Lauren, what trends are you seeing? Even non-Jewish authors are addressing their stories to a Jewish audience or building in characters or storylines that are meaningful to a Jewish audience. So it's not only Jewish authors, but Mm -hmm. we're finding many books that are appropriate for the Detroit Jewish Book Fair because of the content, because of the story or the nonfiction content that is really relevant to either our values or a particular part of our history or story. Can you give me some examples of that? I'd love to hear just some, you know, because I, I was wondering, what are the criteria? You know, is it just an author who identifies as Jewish or a story that has Jewish themes? And then like, how do we decide what Jewish themes are? So tell me a little bit about that. Yes, the criteria is either they are a Jewish author and they can write about anything, or they're a non-Jewish author who has some Judaism in their book, whether it's Jewish characters or some Jewish themes. Mm-hmm. So any anyone will qualify under those criteria. Which yeah, means so. that we can really pick books to present to the community during the time period, because we only have a limited number of slots, but we want to present to the community a variety of books that will appeal to all different segments of our community so that they come out to the book fair and find something that's right for them. And it, and it makes the book fair interesting to be able to select all different kinds of writing. One example would be an author like Kristen Harmel, who writes fiction, and many of her stories center around World War II, Uh not just Holocaust, but World War II, the whole Uh region of Europe so far. I don't know where she'll go from here. But, you know, she's not a Jewish author, but she really speaks to the Jewish experience during World War II, whether it's people in resistance movements people trying to survive from the camp, people how they got away or who helped them. And so the stories themselves appeal to a a Jewish audience or speak to our story. So she's one example. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think a nonfiction example would be like Scott Herskovitz, who we had last year. He (laughs) is a local professor and wrote this wonderful book about philosophy with children Mm -hmm. and understanding philosophy through a child's eyes. So Mm -hmm. you would think, well, what makes that Jewish. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's Jewish. And so his family is Jewish. And he really laid out an argument for philosophy and what it means and, you know, how we can all connect to it. And it doesn't have to be so academic. So those are ways that we kind of looked at what would be topics that were interesting to the Jewish experience. That's awesome. I love that. I have a question for you, and it's kind of a bigger question. What role do you think Jewish books and Jewish authors play in communicating Jewish identity to non-Jewish audiences? I know you may not have thought about this, but you know, when when you're a Jewish author or you're writing about Jewish themes, you're not necessarily writing for your small little community, you're hoping to build a wide audience who's going to read your books and and love them. And so what do you think is that role or responsibility in communicating Jewish identity to people who may not ever meet a Jew? 
Well, that can be answered, I think, in a couple of different ways. First of all, I never think it's an author's responsibility to represent a whole of anything. They're only representing themselves, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. They're representing their perspective, their Mm storyline. Now, the larger question is when we look at a book and we want to present it to the community, what does it say? And I think we all have the experience of reading something and saying, oh, I would recommend this book to a friend, but I to a Jewish friend, but I don't think I would necessarily want a non-Jew to read it. And so that is something that, you know, you consider with, with the book and the author and what is the message. And so I think it's us as readers, it's really important to the reading committee of the Detroit Jewish Book Fair to select books that do have that broader message. And sometimes an author's message is a very narrow message and that, that can be okay too. And, and if it only speaks to a certain audience, that's okay. We're looking for the broadest possible perspective to share. So yeah, we do think about it. Like, how would this book be received? How is are different people going to understand the storyline or the message or the point of the book? And and sometimes that makes it really interesting to have the author so that they can talk about it so people can ask questions. I mean, all of our book talks include a Q&A so that people can ask questions and really delve into whatever that storyline or message is from the book. So that is an important part of it. And, and sometimes even if it's harder to recognize what the message is, it might be the best type of book to talk about. I love that. You know, I want to ask you one last question. And it's, it's, you know, there are book fairs all over the world. I mean, they're in every major city, they're in small towns or at little teeny libraries or really huge events. So book fairs are are a pretty common thing. I love that there's this idea of having a Jewish book fair, but there's also, you know, other communities that might host their own type of event that's similar to celebrate books from their community or for their community. I wonder what you think about this specialty in a Jewish book fair, as opposed to like, you know, the Miami book fair or the New York City book fair or whatever. So Talk a little bit about, you know, specializing in that way and what that provides both to our community, but just what statement it makes in general in the book world. Well, one thing that I've noticed in some of those major book fairs, like you said, Miami and New York, they get big, big name authors, very high powered authors. That's something that we cannot do because of cost. Those authors are well beyond our budget. So what what we do is we bring in authors mostly through Jewish Book Council, and we we don't have those huge overhead costs. You know, I I think that our audience knows that, and they know that they're not going to see somebody who's on the New York Times bestseller list, and they don't come with that expectation. And they know that we are going to look really hard to find good books and good authors, you know, good speakers. And that's another thing. A book might be wonderful, but the author has difficult time presenting. So they know that yeah. when they come to see to us, to hear an author, they, they know that the quality is really there. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I, I actually really love that they're not, you know, New York Times bestsellers always because they get plenty of press. So it's really nice to lift up other authors somewhere else in the in the food chain of books, right? And I think everybody... You know, you can find a really great story anywhere. So I'm excited. I can't wait to see what you guys have this year in store for us. Any last thoughts before we finish our conversation today? Sure. I want to, I want to answer that question as well. And then I want to go back because I want to add a piece about children's publishing back to your question about uh, what we notice in the publishing world. In addition to what Brenda said about the types of authors that we bring to the Detroit Jewish Book Fair, I also want to say that 
During the pandemic, we were able to present lots of wonderful authors in a virtual format, and that was great. People were at home and they wanted to interact. And of course, they were reading, they were downloading books or ordering books. Uh, That was our lifeline during the pandemic. However, there is something really special about having an in-person book fair, coming to the JCC, coming as a community to the building, meeting with other people who love books, being able to talk about books, being in a bookstore, and having all of the books uh, with a Jewish focus and also being able to talk to Jewish authors and hear their stories in an in-person setting is just really special. So that's one thing about hosting the Detroit Jewish Book Fair. And I think why it continues year after year is because of the specialness of coming together. Absolutely. I love that. I'm so glad that you added it. And I just want to say back to publishing. So in response to your question about what has changed or grown in the publishing world, children's publishing has really blown up. So, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, there were almost like pamphlet children's books about holiday. They were very simple books. And about 25, 30 years ago, the Jewish Jewish publishing really kind of took hold for, for children's literature. And today, especially through another Jewish uh, organization, uh, PJ Library, there's a very robust support for Jewish children's books. And not only are these stories about the holidays or Jewish families, but they represent the broad cross-section of what a Jewish family looks like. So today, when you look at what's being published, you see same gender families represented. You see children of different racial groups represented, all in a Jewish context, celebrating the holidays or living a Jewish life or a living Jewish values, whatever the stories are. And they're so much broader today. And it's just wonderful. It's supported by some strictly Jewish publishers and then also mainstream publishers that have either purchased Jewish imprints or Uh they support Jewish content stories. So children's literature has really grown, uh, both in picture books and in longer form, chapter books, teen books, crossover, adult books. It's Uh the whole gambit has grown and, and really represents a broad section of experiences. That's amazing. Well, Lauren and Brenda, I've just loved talking with you today, and I'm so grateful that you've made the time to be on the Make Meaning podcast. It was our pleasure. We look forward to seeing you in November. Me too. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks. Thanks for joining me for my conversation with Lauren Johnson and Brenda Brooke from the Detroit Jewish Book Fair. Now I'm excited to introduce Naomi Firestone Teeter, who is Executive Director of the Jewish Book Council. The JBC is a national organization that coordinates Jewish book fairs across America and promotes books by Jewish authors and featuring Jewish stories. I'm super excited to talk with Naomi to further this conversation. So let's dive in. Hi, Naomi. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Thank you. So great to be here. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah. So let's begin by sharing with listeners a little bit about what the Jewish Book Council is and the purpose it serves. So the organization's mission is to educate, enrich, and entertain the community through a Jewish literary lens. What that means is that we support authors getting their their Jewish interest works published. We support readers in discovering those works, and that we then create spaces for conversations about those ideas. And those all take the form of various programs as we trickle down to you know spread the word about the wide spectrum of Jewish experience and identity that exists in the world. 
Amazing. And as I was preparing for this, I was doing my research and uh, reading up on you, and you are quite a leader in the world of Jewish culture. I'm pretty (laughs) impressed. I want to hear a little bit about how you came to this career and what drives you personally. Yeah, absolutely. So I come from a background of studying English and art history, you know, in the academic space and knew that I wanted to be involved in the arts, that I wanted to be involved um, specifically in the Jewish intersection of the arts. Because for me, that makes up a lot of what drives my personal identity and my passions and, you know, what excites me, it excites me the most, something that really kind of pushes me in new directions and pushes, you know, my own boundaries. So I had kind of been torn between that, that, that literary space and the kind of visual arts space. And I ended up, I had interned at Jewish Publication Society, mm-hmm. um, at the Jewish Museum here in New York. And where I'm based, and ultimately came upon the Jewish Book Council, and I just couldn't believe it existed. Frankly, <laughs> that there was an organization that was like this exact perfect, you know, combination of all of my interests. And when I got its history and the work it was doing, and kind of the wide reach um, outside of this very small office, the kind mm-hmm. of impact it was having, it just, you know, is incredibly exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Right? This was 2006, so I've been at JVC for a very oh, yeah. long. I, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, you found, shake it. couldn't shake me. So <laughs> you found your niche. That's great. I love that. I'm going to say, you know, I think in organizations like this, and this is really, you know, it's many organizations, but I think it particularly holds true for us. Every year we're working with, you know, hundreds of new authors and books. And mm-hmm. I think so even, I mean, our programs have evolved as well, but even, you know, with some of our kind of mainstay programs, even if we've had this program for 50 years, the conversation is going to be different every year because we are daring yeah. different variables, our authors, our books, you know, what they want to be talking about what is in the wider conversation in both in the Jewish community and wider world. So there's just, you know, it's never a dull moment. It's very exciting. That's really, really cool. Now, I know this is a broad question, but I wonder in your career, what trends you have seen in the Jewish book world, you know, different phases or evolutions in trends? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the ones we've talked about recently at JBC through one of our, through our literary publication, Paper Brigade, the increase in graphic narratives over the years. You know, I remember when I started at JBC, it was so exciting to see these come out, but they were, you know, a few of them, few and far between. Now I feel like, you know, everywhere you turn, narrative, graphic narratives in the form of history and memoir and fiction, of course. And then also an increase in some of Jewish genre fiction, which has been really interesting for us to see. So, you know, seeing kind of like the romance genre continue to blossom specifically in that space, as well as one of the things the past few years we've been noting is there have been so many more middle grade and YA books being published um, that are really kind of, you know, own voices, Jewish characters and Jewish experience. And it's, it's really interesting to see, you know, the the field continue to evolve. But at the same time, we're still seeing kind of some of the traditional books and stories. You know, obviously we're dealing with different generations when we talk about, you know, Holocaust and say either, you know, fiction or nonfiction moment now in time. So do you attribute that sort of growth in the Jewish book genre to align in some way with evolutions in Jewish identity? Or like, do you have any thoughts about what might be prompting that? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some of it mirrors what's happening in the kind of wider publishing world and the Jewish yeah. community is, you know, no different in, in yeah. some ways. So that, you know, tracks for me. But I do think, you know, if we think about kind of next generation of writers coming through, it makes sense to me that they would be drawn particularly to things like the graphic of work. I mean, thinking about kind of what 
you know, they're growing up on. Right. It just makes perfect sense to me. And I think that especially, you know, I think about the YA piece of the puzzle, you know, we're seeing some of the, some of the boundaries push the most in that area because a lot of them are, they're younger. It makes sense, you know, again, pretty logical. So, you know, Jewish community would be no different than elsewhere being, you know, really interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a few ways I could go with that. I mean, I have four kids. They're between the ages of 17 and 21. And so that makes a lot of sense, you know, growing up in a very visual and uh, quick attention era. And, you know, even though they do like reading traditional books, like I could see that draw for sure. You know, I have a novel coming out actually in just a few weeks and it's, uh, yeah, it's called Woman of Valor. It's my first novel, but my ninth book, which is really cool. And I actually did the Jewish book fair, the JBC in 2013 for a nonfiction book that I had. So that was really fun, but it's also changed since then. So like I came to New York, and I did the whole pitch and whatever, you know. know. But my novel is very, very Jewish. It's an Orthodox Jewish woman and lots of non-Jewish people have read it and they're fascinated. And I find that interesting too because, I mean, other fiction that I'm writing isn't quite as religious focused, but people really loved a window into a world they didn't know, you know? So I wonder what your thoughts are about that as well. Yeah, I would say this has been consistent since I started at JVC, yeah. that there is this specific fascination, I'd say, with, yeah. you know, the Orthodox community and the ultra-Orthodox community and, you know, both from the Jewish the wider Jewish yeah. community, but also, you know, obviously outside community, which I think is really, it's amazing, especially as we're publishing and seeing publish, you know, more diverse stories from those communities. You know, yeah. those narratives are, they're not just one, you know, there's yeah. not one perspective and one, you know, singular experience. I think it is exciting to see it go, you know, m- make waves in our own community and then also beyond. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. So, you know, I wonder how Jewish authors or Jewish books convey or inspire conversations about Jewish identity and culture, you know, both within our community. Like, do you have any information or or experience with people saying, you know, I read this book and it made me think about how I want to be Jewish or what my identity means to me? Or, you know, has that always been sort of a conversation starter or a spark in some way? But also for people outside the community to understand who Jewish people are and the, and the yeah. roles that we play you know, in, in community. So I I don't know, that's a big question, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I absolutely, I, I, yes, yes, that is, you know, (laughs) these are the puzzles that surprise me. And I think that one of the beauties of the, one of of the many beauties of, you know, the work that we're, we're um, working in sure is that we get to really showcase a very multifaceted Jewish experience. We have authors Mm -hmm. from every background imaginable, a lot of, you know, multi-heritage authors who are writing about the blended experiences that they have. People can see themselves reflected in those works, not just, you know, in the kind of more generic sense, but really the specifics of it. They are Jewish and this, and this, and this, and this, and that all is part of who they are. I think it's really beautiful that we can, and, you know, showcase books that are able to reflect the wider Jewish community and its diversity. Pretty, it's pretty amazing. And I think specifically when we think about books versus, you know, other art forms, and I'm a fan, obviously, of the arts across the board, mm-hmm. but there is something particular about the book and its accessibility mm-hmm. and portability and, you know, the opportunity for someone to be able to see themselves reflected and have that independent experience, but then be able to pass it along to someone else quite easily or take sparks from that experience of reading and use it to just have a conversation even if it's disconnected from the book later. And I know for me, I'm constantly shifting the way I think about myself, you know, yeah. always through reading. Obviously, I'm a big reader, have been forever. <laughs> hope um, so. Hope so. <laughs> yeah, otherwise I'm doing the wrong thing here. But yeah, I mean, well, I mean, listen, think about where everyone turned to during, you know, the first days of COVID. You know, that was a really scary moment and people were looking for, they were looking for resources and community and purpose. Mm-hmm. And they also want to be entertained and all those yes. things. We saw our events 
just balloon. People were, you know, coming to them en masse and wanting to, you know, be in a room with authors and books and ideas. And that says also a lot about, you know, the role of literature in our community too. So Absolutely. And I, I do love that. And I think that's, that's really important. I think about also, you know, what is the role of a book in building awareness of Jews among non-Jewish readers. And so do we individual authors have a responsibility for how we portray, you know, Jews? And a lot of times writers are working out their own angst or their issues or whatever. And it's like, you know, and I've heard from other people that, you know, each author is not responsible for the whole community and representing. And of course, but, you know, somebody could read one book. That's their only book that they read about Jews. And what do they walk away with? You know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's really a tricky one. I mean, yeah. you know, this is always a tricky one in the Jewish community. Um, and also, I hope that readers are, are are thoughtful enough to understand that anytime they're reading about something that's either without their own, ex- you know, similar experience or outside their experience, that one book and one perspective is not going to, right. you know give them everything they need. Hopefully people are critical, you know, thinkers in that way. Yes. No, that's, that's obviously something that is a challenge. And I hope that people continue to still wrestle with it and not feel like, you know, the more people who are doing it and feeling like they can expose the the grit, I guess, yeah. the more we all continue to be humanized as we are humans. Yes. <laughs> and I think it just makes people more relatable. And the more people who are doing that, I think it, you know, yeah, I think it's it a real impact. And, you know, I think about too, we have a publication, Paper Brigade. And one of the things we talk a lot about is its potential to reach outside the Jewish community, you know, mm-hmm. that it's kind of functioning in a different kind of way. People who may not ever hear about the Jewish Book Council or go to one of our book festivals or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. they may up this literary journal. And so we're always thinking about that when we're putting it together. You know, yeah. if you're a non-Jewish reader who hasn't really been exposed to the Jewish experience, what's your takeaway from this? Sure. So that's for us something we want to get into everyone's hands. We're like, okay, this showcases a variety so you can kind of see who we are in yeah. at least a sliver, but still. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, in the writing classes I teach, I always explain that the more specific you get in your details with your characters or your writing or whatever it is, the more universally relatable it is. I mean, I I could be reading a book about, you know, you know, a, a totally different country or a different religion or a different whatever, but because it's so specific, I can find my way in as a Jewish woman, you know, and I think that probably is the same in reverse. It is. And it's funny because I think that is actually how it works in the world. But I think the Jewish community is extra maybe self-conscious of that in a different <laughs> kind of way, even though yeah. we of course never read something, you know, outside of our community and either make, you know, assumptions about the whole or or not be able to see something universal that impacts us. It's not like yeah. we're able to read outside of our own space. Yeah. Um, you know, personally impacted. Yeah. That would be right. wild. So absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Jewish Book Council. And specifically, I'm very interested. I know you do so many things, but this concept of Jewish book fairs and you know, I grew up going to the Detroit Jewish Book Fair. It was always an exciting time as a kid because I, my dad used to say, he would take me to bookstores or, or wherever I could buy books and say, books are knowledge. You can never have too many. Buy everything you want. Yep. And of course, I have no self-control in a bookstore <laughs> now, you know? Same. Yeah. Right? Five and a half month old daughter. And I'm like, oh, what's, where am I going to spend? I'm like already teaching her. Every time I go to a bookstore, I'm like buying yep. her 20 books as if she can <laughs> actually read, by the way. Right, um, right, right. I'm like, I got to get her started now. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And actually, it's funny because I my kids are all grown and everything that I've held on to from their childhood, it's the books. Yeah. I've gotten rid of the clothes, I've gotten right. rid of the toys, yeah. but 
Yeah. And money's totally. no object. It's books, right? It's like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a sickness, but it's a good one. Exactly. So talk to me a little bit about the concept of the Jewish Book Fair and and really its purpose as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I don't know how much you know about the history of the Jewish Book Fair. Tell me. And I'm, I'm probably not the absolute expert on, you know, the book fair itself. But I will tell you that the idea was born out of something called Jewish Book Week in 1925, which was mm. by a librarian, Fanny Goldstein, out of the Boston Public Library, who wanted to showcase Jewish experience the way other communities were being represented. And you can actually find some great black and white photos on Flickr from some of the 1920s mm. um, displays, which is really fun to dig into, actually. So this concept, though, of Jewish Book Week ended up taking off. People got really excited about it across North America, schools, libraries, actually department stores. Um, oh, I think both wow. in New York in the 40s had Jewish Book Month display. This ended up becoming a kind of, you know, na- more than nationwide celebration. And, you know, I mentioned the month piece of it in the early 40s. It went from a week to a month. Okay. Um, and there's a radio address in Italy um, oh. to troops about book banning and Jewish book month. And it's fascinating. And I can find you that if you're interested, but it's really, I mean, I love this kind of history. Um, And there was a committee called the National Committee for Jewish Book Week, um, which became the Jewish Book Council. So we can see this our our origin story. And in creating this month to celebrate Jewish books, the idea was to showcase, again, the variety of Jewish experience, get the whole community excited about it. And it's kind of one of those moments in the calendar, the whole community can participate. You know, it's not based on, you know, it's, it's universal in the Jewish Jewish yeah. space. And so out of this concept of Jewish Book Month, these Jewish book fairs started happening to okay. mark the occasion. So Jewish Book Month is the month preceding Hanukkah. Fast forward from the 40s to the 90s, and we were realizing that, you know, all of our colleagues out there who were celebrating Jewish Book Month and hosting these Jewish book fairs, they were going individually to meet with the publishers and the authors and try to figure out who to bring in. And we realized, okay, we're the we're the sponsor of Jewish Book Month. We yeah. can make more efficient and we can serve the community in a different kind of way and create some efficiencies for everyone. Created this concept of the JBC Network, which you participated sure. in. Yep. Um, and I think back in the day, I was not there for the beginning days um, okay. in the 90s, but it was, I think the authors had plenty minutes to speak and they were at a bar and there were maybe 15 sites, you know, it was a kind okay. of grassroots affair. And then it just very quickly snowballed. I joined in 2006. It was already like, oh, it has existed for decades. You know, it had that aura <laughs> to it. And today it actually, we work with over 270 authors. We have over 130 community partners. We mm-hmm. set up over 1,400 events. And while the history is connected to Jewish Book Month and setting up these celebrations during that moment, mm-hmm. our sites are now booking authors year-round because, of course, we all know Jewish books are great to celebrate during Jewish Book Month, but they should be read and discussed and celebrated year-round as well. Absolutely, yes. Uh, yeah. So we've excited. We've, that's one of the trends that we've actually seen that we've loved to see, which is that you know Jewish Book Month is celebrated, the book fairs are hosted, but then those authors are also invited at various moments throughout the year, community interaction, engagement, conversation. Cool. Yes, brilliant proud to play play a role in supporting our our fellow colleagues out there. And this is North America, right? Yeah. So our events, our sites are in primarily the US with some Canadian sites as well. So North okay. America, but and and disconnected, I'd say from the network, COVID, all of us now are working across not only, you know, state lines and country lines here, but also, you know, international lines. Sure. Um, and we're partnering and have been partnering for a number of years now since COVID mm-hmm. with colleagues in London mm-hmm. and Australia and South Africa on their Jewish literary, you know, promotional efforts. And we actually formed something called the Jewish Literary Global Global Jewish Literary Alliance. Okay. Uh, this past spring in order to kind of 
you know, show that we're stronger together. We're two sides, three sides, four sides of a conversation here um, and kind of show global support of the Jewish literary community, which is, you know, kind of expanding how we're thinking about our work and what our income impact can be and who we can work with on the author side and reader side. And we already hear from book clubs all over the world who are using our resources, but it's great to have kind of a more formal space for that now. That is fantastic. I had no idea that there was this global alliance, but that makes perfect sense. And because I know of different, you know, Jewish book fairs and whatever in, in different countries all around the world. And I wondered actually, because I was the moderator for a conversation last year or the year before on Zoom about one of the authors here in Detroit. And so I started thinking, you know, on Zoom, anybody can tune in. So I wondered if any of your virtual events for JBC are getting people from around the world. Oh, oh yeah. No, 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 for sure. I I can't even believe the range of countries that are covered in our virtual events. And, you know, for us, you know, it's kind of shifted how we do different things. And for some things, we've kept them virtual. Some things are hybrid. Some things are in person. You know, we're all doing that dance right now. But we try to have still a few key moments during the year where we are able to bring the community together virtually. And, you know, as we scan the list of countries that are calling in, I mean, it continues to excite me as it did, you know, the first day it happened. Kind of like mind blowing that we're yeah, able yeah. to do this now. And also that this existed technologically before and we were like, oh, okay, you know, okay, that Zoom thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, wow, we can really build an even more powerful community this way. And reach people who otherwise don't have access to these events either, by the way. You know, some of them right. have the things in their own community and some are more isolated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the accessibility piece, I think, is huge. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I know that a lot of major markets, major cities have Jewish book fairs, but I can imagine that smaller yeah. smaller Jewish communities don't um, or may not. Maybe they don't have as much access or whatever. And so it's great that they can tie into some of the bigger ones, too. Absolutely. And one thing I'll say just for our, you know, our sites that are formerly part of the network program, you know, we've seen a shift because we had you mentioned the the conference being in person, which I do miss. I love to be in person with everyone. It was so much fun. Yep. But we have, you know, captured in the virtual world with a piece, big piece being, or maybe the piece being accessibility, our authors, you know, to fly into New York for a two minute yeah. you know, pitch, it's it's asking a lot of them. And, you know, for our sites, the same thing. These are nonprofits who, right. you know, are out there trying to program for their local community. And for us to be able to now have a setup that allows them to participate in our program in a new way is you know, open more doors. And Mm -hmm. then for them, I'd say across our sites, I think they're able to take some more risks because of the virtual piece. Even with having in-person programming again, they're able to then say, you know what? We do want to bring in this other author it's a little different for us. It's a different demographic. We don't have the financial resources to do a whole event. Let's do a Zoom conversation. Let's do a book club conversation. Let's, you know, let's test mm-hmm. the waters. And I think that's also really exciting. See, you know, a wider range of authors getting discovered because of the yes. virtual piece still being, you know, in use for communities. Absolutely. That's really, really cool. Well, as we finish our conversation, I wonder what thoughts you would like to leave with my listeners here who are interested in writing or publishing a book with Jewish uh-huh. themes. Well, well, that actually, you probably don't realize this, but we have a writer's conference coming up. Perfect segue. Yeah, uh-huh. we have it coming up in November in Jewish Book Month. We have panels of editors and agents and marketers and Jewish interest media. We have workshops and writing groups because we do find that a lot of people don't know where to start and they are looking for community. They're looking for a mix of the educational resources. You know, publishing's complicated and yes. no matter what route you decide to take within that space, you know, just having more knowledge is is helpful. So we've carved that space. And, you know, I mentioned the virtual piece with our program. Same thing with the writer conference. We have moved that to the virtual world and we're keeping huh. it 
right now because we do want it to be accessible. We want more people to understand how they can bring their stories out into the world in a bigger way. And then at the end of it, we want them to know that we exist. We're a nonprofit. We work really hard. We have a group of really passionate individuals who are working at this organization who are excited about these books and these authors and these stories. And we can only do our job effectively if authors know to come to us, you know, and as early as possible, frankly, you know, our, our, one of our hardest conversations is my book came out last year. What can you do for it? I just heard about you. And it's it's tougher, as you know, in publishing, you need to be, you know, aware of the resources before your book's even coming out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's one of my my goals is for more writers to know about us earlier in their process that we can support them and market their book and connect them with communities and editorial opportunities. I love it. I love it. Well, Naomi, thank you so much for giving me your time and for all that you do in the Jewish book world. It's such an honor to meet you. And thanks for being on the Make Meaning podcast. Absolutely. Mazel tov on your new book. I'm excited to read it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org or lynngaladner.com.